Hello, everybody. This is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs, and today we're talking Manhattan. And Johnny, I got Ben Dixon here of the yep. Mackay Dixon team over at Element. These guys, these guys are like a production machine, and we figured let's get some producing guys over here. Tell us what the hell's going on in the markets. It sounds like a plan. Yeah. So Ben, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So um, listen, let's let's start high level. A lot of things are going on, and let's tell everyone uh, what is going on in the Manhattan markets today. Sure. Uh, it's a really exciting market right now. There's a lot going on. But first, uh, let's talk about how we got here. Um, obviously, we're in a really interesting part of the cycle. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to step back. I'm not going to go back all the way. Uh, but, you know, go back about 10 years and quickly run through. You know, we really saw some strong price appreciation a couple of years after the financial crisis, two to three years. And then the last time we really saw that like bull run was 2012, really in the 13, 14 and 15. If you remember 13 and 15, people were running to see apartments, cash yeah. in hand, multiple bids. That was the last time like New York really fell on fire. No inventory uh, we were, back then. Uh, no inventory, like we were down around like 6,000 and we were seeing just, it was on fire, really. Um, we we're going 80 miles an hour in a 55. And then in 2017, 16 and 17, you know, maybe we were going 50, but it felt like we were going backwards almost. We saw a little price appreciation, but not a whole lot. Going to 18 and 19 and we saw prices come down. You know, we had a lot of inventory, a clear buyer's market and really felt different for a lot of sellers who had purchased back in 13 and 15. Um, Come into the beginning of, and even in early 19, we had these like two weeks of activity where we thought we were turning the corner, but we didn't. Um, Roll into 2020, strangest year in real estate we've ever had. And uh, we started off with 10 weeks of great activity. Like we did turn that corner. We felt it, it was sustained, it felt good. We had multiple bids happening again. And you know, come along to March 13th, and the rugs pulled out from under the market. Mm-hmm. You know, agents can be fined; we can lose our licenses for showing. So the market went on hold. Um, we actually had 13 deals in contract on March 13th. I think my biggest accomplishment last year was closing every single one of those deals. Wow, you know, a yeah. few extra gray hairs, but but we got it done. Um, and then we really expected to see you know a big pop in July and August when we had pent up demand. You know, since we couldn't show for a few months, we didn't see that. You know, nothing happened over the summer. It was pretty slow and, and sad. Uh, then we thought maybe it's going to be the fall market. You know, the fall market's typically our secondary market. It's going to come back. Again, no. You know, people who had gone away for the summer extended their summers. And I think we had a lot of election distraction. You know, a lot was going on in the world. And we really saw things starting to pick up around Thanksgiving. You know, once election results were known, people felt confident that they were going to stick. Uh, then we saw things happening. We saw a real uptick in December, uh, which usually says that means we're going to have a really busy spring. And that's exactly what we're having now. You know, right. things really started picking up in January and we've been off to the races ever since. So, so I'm glad you kind of did a whole little um, recapture because John and I always talk about the fact, you know, buyers expected that this COVID thing that we're going to be 25, 35, 40% deals and there wasn't. And we were trying to explain, like, guys, we've already kind of went down. And, and, and you just, thank you for just reiterating that for anyone that doesn't know. 2015, 16, we kind of started going downwards and we went down and we were coming out of it. We were coming out of a four-year downturn right when COVID hit. 
So I appreciate that. So like when you look at deals happening right now, okay, right now and where we're going right now is, is the activity, are we, I mean, are we off the charts? Are you seeing bidding wars? Are you, are you having trouble putting deals together? What's happening? Yeah, we're, you know, we're seeing both and it really depends on price point, on neighborhood, how prime a building is. You know, we're not, in, New York's a city of extremes, right? Everybody thinks, is it a buyer's market or is it a seller's market? Right now, we're in, we're in a transitioning market and we don't know where we're going to end up just yet. We have some views on that, which we can talk about, uh, but we don't know exactly where we're going to end up. Right now, we, it's not a low inventory, high demand, tons of multiple bids. Mm -hmm. And it's not a lot of inventory and no demand where it's a clear buyer's market. We're clearly transitioning out of that. Uh, but right now, you know, we are hovering around 10,000. That's a lot of inventory for Manhattan. But we had over 5,000 contracts signed this year to date, 700 in luxury. That's more than we had all last year combined. So where that demand will outpace the inventory you know, that's what we're going to have to watch and see. But that is where we're transitioning to right now is a really healthy market. That's interesting. And so let me ask you then, because I think, I think you hit the nail on the head, which is, you know, one of the things that makes today's market a little bit unusual is that there is a lot of supply and there is a lot of demand at the same time. And if you had to take a crystal ball and just sort of shift it forward, you know, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead here, but what does negotiability look like right now on the buy side? And how is that gonna how is that gonna play out when this eventual bull run of you know record-setting deal amounts per month starts to starts to dwindle off? Yeah. So let's look at have new development and resale separately, two really different markets right now. Um, and we're looking at new development in the luxury side. In the last couple of months, last two months, I would say, we got 30, over 35% off. On one deal, that was a 10-digit deal. You know, that's a big luxury deal, but over 35% off is a big hit for a developer to take on a, on a yeah. trophy penthouse. Uh, another building closer to the 10 million mark, we got 20% uh, off for our buyer. Hmm. So we're seeing a lot more negotiability in the higher end new development, right? That like high 2000s, mid 3000s per square foot, that new development has some big negotiability, especially on their bigger units you know if they're looking at one sale that could you know be five sales of their average unit they want to get that unit moved and get, right. get some wins on the table on the board uh we've also seen some that have five percent you know another developer will have a different strategy they're not holding those prices that they were expecting to get from the 2013 to 15 trajectory they've adjusted their pricing from schedule a they're getting more people in the door and those, you know, two to three million dollar apartments that are priced well, under two thousand per square foot, might only be getting five percent. You know, maybe nothing on the price, just some concessions. So a really broad range of negotiability on new development, but I would say more negotiability in new development in general than resale. Well, are there any buildings in particular um, that that might be more negotiable than others? Could you share? Yeah. I would say I've got, you know, if I look around town, I've got a handful of really kind of the favorite new developments right now or that I want to take buyers into. They're really reacting to well. Uh, 53 West 53rd, uh, that is, you know, yeah. Midtown having some troubles, not as many people in the office, but I think we all probably believe they will be right. back. Um, and that building is, you know, ranges anywhere from 3 million to 65 million. So a 
price point for just about everybody. <laughs> and your price per square foot there is, you know, at the higher end, around the $3,400 a square foot. So I think if you've got high-end buyers <clears throat> who like that, <clears throat> excuse me, that hotel finish, hotel service, that's a great product to be bringing them into where they can get a great deal. They also have Gramercy Square over on the east side. It's a big project. They've been marketing it for a bit. And those are typically larger homes with bigger prices on them. So I think you can get some additional negotiability there. Really amazing amenity package that always wows my buyers. Uh, another favorite up on the Upper East Side is Beckford House and Towers. Those are in the upper 2000s, uh, larger homes again, which people are searching for right now. They give you that like pre-war feel uh, and that kind of Upper East Side history, but just really beautiful. Some, not as much negotiability there, I would say, just because it's a unique product on the Upper East Side that's being received really well. Right. And uh, I really like 130 William and Lantern House. I think you'll see very little negotiability at 130 William unless you're going up into their kind of trophy, trophy penthouses at the top. But they've really reacted to the market with their pricing. The pricing is really nice for a great product. Let me ask you a bit, if, if I could. We've, we've talked about this before on the podcast and that's that negotiations and new development is, is, is really difficult. And I'm just curious if you could sort of, you know, walk some of the agents who are new to the new development market so through how you can kind of achieve some of these negotiations. Are they on the, um, the amenity side, you know, whether it's getting free storage, that kind of thing, or is it on the Schedule A side? Are we actually talking about a reduction in price? And if so, how on earth did you manage to do that? Yeah, uh, do your homework. Like you have to really do your homework. You have to go into the city records if the, if the developer is not recording their sales, if there have been sales in the building. You know, you can really build a case for where things are landing. If you can't do it in that building, go to pick the building that's most similar to it and do it there. So you got to, A, you got to do your homework. And I think really focus your buyer um, on where they're going to land on a net basis, right? Buyer's going to care about cash out of pocket, their ultimate number. The developer might care about different things. They might be looking at bottom line. They might be looking at where their sale price lands for their other comps in the building. So yeah. I would typically go in asking for the kitchen sink, uh, you know, every concession, the free storage, free parking if it's there, free common <laughs> charges for a year or two, like throw in the kitchen sink and see where they come back. Some developers are really concerned about their price and they're not going to negotiate on it, but you might get a design credit for that amount that you were looking for on the discount. So I usually try to let the developer lead as to where they're going to give me the discount but yeah. make sure my buyer has a view before we go in as to where we want to land at or below. That's, 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 that's great because I mean, there's so much stuff right there in what you just said. I hope agents just yeah. listen to that a couple of times because I mean, you know, we've had Shlomi Rovini on here. I love Shlomi. You know, yeah. he, he tells it like it is. Um, and Our he guy. always said, yeah, he always said, guys, like when you're dealing with developers, first off, you, you can get five or 10% here and you can get 20 or 25% here. It all depends on all these different things that you confirmed. And Shlomi said, pick up the phone and talk to the developer, like get, get on the phone, talk to the sponsor, talk to the sales guy, whoever's leading, find out where you're at and pass that information on to your client. I mean, th they all want to do deals, you know, in case you're worrying about insulting anyone, even if you call them up to say, listen, I got a buyer that's going to throw a kitchen sink offer at you, <laughs> say that and let them know up front. So they know what's going on. And then you, I mean, we're brokers, right? We got to broker yeah. a deal here. Yeah. So, that's the resale. 
the sales team can be a real ally. Obviously, they represent the yeah. developer. They've got a job to do, but they want to get deals done with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Use, use the weapon. What about resales? Yeah, What's exactly. happening right resales. now with deals and resales? Yeah, resales are really fun because they're all over the place right now. Um, I recently lost two uh, bidding wars on the Upper West Side. These apartments were like two to $3 million. My buyers followed my advice. They wanted the apartments, but they weren't going to die without them, right? So we went at market, tossed in a little bit, a little bit on top of that to try to get ahead of anybody else doing their comps. And somebody stepped in, two different buyers stepped in on both of those and just went way over. These were people right. that probably had missed out on one or two or three other bids and just weren't going to miss out again. And we're taking a long-term view. So there's always, you know, that potential that somebody's going to come in and just overpay. The buyers don't want to do that. They're not going to win. Uh, so that's happening on the uppers. I feel like the Upper West and Upper East are having this renaissance at the moment. They were the first to really start to come down when prices came down and they're having this renaissance now and coming up. So I'm seeing that happen on the Upper West side and I'm seeing um, other things sit on the market for a really long time. If you're trying to go back to a 2017 price right now, good luck to you. That's going to sit on there and be on there for a while. Mm -hmm. Right now yeah. for my buyers, I'm loving finding stuff that was slightly overpriced or came on in January or February. It's looking stale right now. The seller's having a really different experience than those sellers I just mentioned that were getting multiple bids the first week. And let's try to reach back into that January market and get that discount. That's a lot harder to do when somebody comes on priced right today. We put a listing on last week at 540 uh, West 28th Street, priced it right at market at 1450. Within a week, we had two offers and, and we're over asked. So right. pricing it right right now can get that type of momentum. There's enough demand to go at or just under and expect the market to, to lift it up. That's a, it's a fantastic point. And so let me ask you this, because uh, I think you brought up something really interesting, which is that you're being punished. Like sellers today are being punished. If they, they've been on the market for too long, you're being punished. And it's just, there's nothing you can do about it because you look stale. And, and I'm curious, what sort of listing discount are they looking at? I mean, had they priced it right in the beginning, we're looking at, you know, maybe 5% or less because that's where the market is. But like right now, if you're a stale seller, are you looking at market or are you now looking below market? And if so, like how, how much, how much did buyers lowball them? I think is the question. Right. Yeah, I think you're looking somewhere between five and 10% on, on what you lost, hopefully closer to the five for those sellers. Um, I mean, our average discount to list is around five. We're seeing some things going over. So you know you're kind of more than 5% on those. And I also think that's just a lot of buyers and brokers start off with a 10% off the ask. You end up close to the middle and end up at five. So unless you grossly went over and are really been on for a while, it's probably between that five and 10 with, with closer to five. Um, yeah. Because the new demand is looking at the new stuff. Mm -hmm. So on a demand right. note, we're listing a uh, 4,000 square foot loft at, loft at 30 Crosby later today. That'll be 8,750. I had five emails that I was able to send to brokers who were sending out their in search ofs over the past few weeks that I knew were going to match that. So we've got people who have exhausted the market. They're sending out emails to the brokerage committee saying, I'm in yeah. search of X, Y, and Z. I was able to capture five of those just in the last three weeks and yeah. respond to those agents before this yeah. comes on the market. So that type of demand, 
we haven't been seeing that for a while unless it was something really specific so yeah so, yeah go ahead Noah I was just going to say, buyers exhaust that pool very quickly. I just want to reiterate that point. They, they, sellers need to understand. If you're on the market for three months, four months, five months, you're, you're chasing it. You mispriced. Yeah. You messed up. Own up to it. You should have cut your price in week two or three is what you should have done because buyers, buyers are real. They're not looking at those price cuts because now you just lower your price, lower your price. They'll just wait. They're looking at all that new stuff that's coming on. You know? And I will and, say, like, we talk about negotiability and what percent off are we going to get off the list. I tell my buyers and sellers the same thing. Listing prices are just part of your marketing. Yeah. And it really doesn't matter if you got 20% off, great. But if you paid 10% more than the guy next door for the same thing, that doesn't really feel like a win for me. So really it's about relative value and like, what am I paying versus what somebody else paid? Not what am I paying versus what maybe an experienced or inexperienced agent or a greedy seller listed their apartment at. That's right. It's a, that's a fantastic point. And, and let me just bring it back on the demand side, because I, 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 who, 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 are, who is the demand side right now? When you, when you talk about answering all these, who are these buyers that are in search of these properties that they can't find? Is there, a, what's, is there a constant thread that's running through these folks these days? Yeah, I would say we have a couple. So we have working with a lot of first-time home buyers that either got priced out of the market during the last 10 years or are now seeing us as the moment for them to jump into the market. Uh, we're looking with families that are upgrading, so or even couples, actually. I just did something, a three-bedroom for a couple with no kids, no plan for a bigger family. They wanted a bedroom, and they each wanted their own home office because they're at home now. Like, how we're using our homes has really changed. We're not just sleeping, mm -hmm. showering, and heading back out the door. We're in our homes a lot more. So we're seeing people who need more space, which I think we've everybody's talked about that a lot the last few months. We're seeing people who are know this is the moment if they're ever going to jump into this market to get into it. And, you know, right now our foreign buyer is a suburban buyer coming back into the city. Mm. They're coming from Westchester or New Jersey. They're not, you know, yet coming from China or Russia. They're coming from pretty close by. Uh, and these are people who, in my experience right now, have like a couple of kids. The kids are going to be out soon but are still at home and they're planning for a really great pit of tear in the city because they want to have some fun it's this new interesting buyer who's been out there has some money now coming back and uh, buying a fun pit of tear in the city that they'll use with the family but probably really are planning for it once the kids are off to college yeah that was a great that question keeps coming up it keeps coming up for me that buyer yeah, because which is I not mean... a buyer we had not a buyer we had a few years ago yeah we're not operating at full capacity are we ben like no. in terms of farm buyers, investors, all those different types of buyers that usually look at our product, like they're, they're just not at full capacity right now. So like we're doing all this at half capacity or wherever we are, just not, you know, with the buyer pool. Yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting once the travel restrictions really open and we see those yep. people coming back in. We see, you know, Latin yep. America coming back up. I think there are going to be some real interesting waves after the local yep. foreign buyers and the local buyers have bought. And then we see this yep. new wave come in. And that's the long runway. That's the long run. I mean, and also the urban did not do what the suburban did. So from a value perspective, the suburban's bubblicious, the urban's not. That's all the whole long runway argument. Go ahead, John. Well, I was going to say, I, I, if, if you don't mind, Ben, I'd like to talk to you about that suburban environment because, you know, that's one of the things that Jonathan Miller was talking about early on is that the idea that now people have sort of the dual primaries, you know, they've got their home in the city and their home in Westchester. 
And I know you guys do a lot of work in the Hamptons. I'm just curious, like what that market's looking like, because we know it's been going bonkers for the last year. And I'm curious, is it still is it still crazy, or is the idea that maybe travel this summer is opening up is that taking some of the some of the heat out of that fire? No. <laughs> the, okay. The short answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it was really last year a tale of two cities. You know, people were clearly moving from one place to the other place. You know, pre 2020, the Hamptons also was was feeling more like Manhattan, kind of they were trading in the same direction. Prices were slow, things were sitting on the market, was not a very exciting place to be selling in. And then in April of last year, the rentals started. I've never done more rentals in the Hamptons in my life. You know, We did a half a million dollar rental for somebody in under 48 hours before they even saw, You know, they came out. I held my breath the day they came out to actually move into the house to hope that they liked wow. it. So that was, um, frenetic it was wild it was crazy april through the summer out there i mean the stats are all off the charts three times the volume things like that um i would say rentals are up 25 to 30 percent on price easily they're the same this year there's no no change to that there's a little less um people freaking out about getting it and like calling you scared. Everybody kind of just knows that those are the new prices this year. So a little less price discovery, more like we just know that there's tight inventory. And then on the sales, 2020 saw a huge volume. Anybody that was sitting on the sideline wondering when they might sell came into the market. And now it's more like it was in Manhattan 2013, 2015, very low inventory unless you go to the real top of the market, like anything around one, two, three, $4 million that the day it comes out, it's going to be a swarm of brokers at the open house trying to find parking to get in. And then it's going to be a swarm of buyers coming in over the next few days. If it's not priced egregiously, it's going to have at least a couple of offers happening in the first seven to 10 days. Like it's, it's moving. So I feel like that, this is everywhere, like national. I'm hearing stories like this all over the country. I mean, you got lumber prices going through the roof, copper prices, you know, everything steel, I mean, it's it's frothy is not even a word to describe where we are right yeah. now. So, I mean, it's it's fun while we're at it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I got to think this rolls over at some point outside Manhattan. But I want to go back to Manhattan because we're getting to the end here. So let's let's focus on Manhattan for a second. Um, is there a COVID discount anymore? I would say uh, because we have so much inventory, we can still get a COVID discount if a buyer's willing to buy something with a little hair on it. So mm-hmm. somebody priced too high. They have high monthlies. Maybe the light's not so great. It needs a renovation. You know, view's not great. Anything that is kind of towards the bottom because we have so much inventory can still grab that COVID discount. You're not getting it on a three bedroom, three million in Chelsea with nice light and a, and a decent building, right? So like the cream is rising to the top. That's what's getting the multiple bids. That's what's selling very quickly. You know, the stuff that's staged looks nice, has been painted you know, no issues with it. So can you get a COVID discount? Yes. And I actually think that's a great buy thesis right now. Somebody who's buying into the market is buy something that has that discount. We will be in a different part of the cycle in a year two or three or whenever it comes. And at that point, buyers think I'm buying in Manhattan. Of course, I have to make a compromise, you know? Right. So right. the compromise discount will shrink mm-hmm. at some point in the market cycle. So if you have buyers looking for value, the stuff that may not be at the top of their list might be their best place to buy, grab that value, either fix the issue by renovating, 
you know, putting good lighting in, obviously we're not going to change location, right. but you know, there are things you can do uh, to minimize those issues. I think and really create value for a buyer that's focused on that. Good stuff. Ben, this is great. I think, I think we're towards the end. John, do you have any final questions for Ben? No, if I could just follow up on that value conversation, cause that's uh, near and dear to my heart. I, I love talking about that stuff. And I'm just curious, Ben, I'm not sure if you have any investor clients and you know, investors are always looking for value, especially, you know, when they're looking for one-offs, like a condominium that they can, you know, rent out, maybe they'll, maybe it'll turn into a pied de terre in, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, but when you're looking for that, are there any, you know, you mentioned some of the new developments earlier. I'm just curious if there are any particular neighborhoods, you know, folks should go to if they're looking for, for more value-oriented plays. Yeah, I would say right now for value, I mean, we actually have a lot of like families buying for their kids right now, knowing that the kids are going to not use that for too long. So they'll buy for the kid for the next couple of years and then assume it'll be a rental property after that, right? Rents are right. at the bottom right now. So go in and get a good deal on the buy, put your kid in there for a couple of years while they finish school or get their you know, feet under them and then turn it into a rental property after rents come back. I like that play right now. As far as location, Hudson Square, West Soho, like a lot going on there with Google and Disney and a lot going on there with construction right now and some nice new developments. Greenwich West is beautiful. Uh, we just did a deal at 77 Charlton. Like there's some nice buildings over there. So I like that area over there. You're nicely sandwiched between that upper Tribeca and the West Village. So I see that as really going up in the future. And then I'd be buying like just around the edges, like Nomad, Lower Murray Hill even, you know, some of these spots up around Hudson Yards, which has had kind of a fits and starts, but have some really nice loft buildings over there that are cool. And um, when we look for our investors, quite frankly, we look at everything that might fit for them and we sort it by monthlies. Low monthlies are often the key to getting them a really great return. There's no use yep. in looking at something with a high monthly, it just never plays out. So we look at neighborhood, we look at kind of their budget, and then we usually sort that list by low to high. And that's what we start to go look at. I love it. Great there's stuff. Some, there's some fantastic. gold here, Ben. Thank you very much. Yeah, there's a lot of gold. There are a lot of nuggets. Ben Dixon, thank you very much of the Makai Dixon team over at Element. That is John Walkup. I am Noah Rosenblatt. We are both from Urban Digs. This has been Talking Manhattan, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys.